The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Hello, everybody. Once again, this is your man, Tobias Woodborn, and I am here with a really good friend of mine. We're in Atlanta, but he's from Tampa, Cigar City, my man Nick Callahan, with the silent G, like the Irishman did. Yeah, they're the real Nick way to spell it. Right, there you yeah. go. So, Nick is a, I guess, a brand, I guess, storyteller-type person for Cigar City, which has become as big of a brand in craft beer as there is. We're, we're trying. So, my, my position is to kind of... Um, take all the technical information the, from what happens in the brew house and then digest it down into information that makes sense for our sales team, for our marketing team to kind of, we do a lot of really, really cool beer and to tell that story behind the cool beer. Every one of our beers has a really interesting story behind it. So that's my job is to make sure everybody knows what's happening out in the world. Um, so my title is actually Elector. Um, the name Cigar City, Hi-Li, Maduro, all that stuff is very much tied into Tampa history and right. Florida history. Mm-hmm. So. Tampa, we're called Cigar City because Tampa was the biggest purchaser of Cuban-made tobacco in the world before the revolution. Mm. Um, hundreds of thousands of people were employed in the cigar-making business, especially early 1900s and late 1800s. Wow. So back then, obviously, there weren't TVs, there weren't radios. To keep the people entertained while they were rolling, they would hire a guy named an elector. And his job was to get up on a platform and literally sit down and read the paper. He would sit there and he'd project and he would keep people that were working in the cigar factory up to date on what was happening in the world. They would read political papers. They would read books. So essentially it was to keep them entertained and keep them up to date on what's happening. And what I do with Cigar City is kind of do the same thing. Keep people up to date on what's happening in the world of Cigar City. Wow. And that's like both internally and externally. Exactly. Right? Nice. Exactly. So it's yeah. kind of interesting because I'd imagine communicating with with brewers and production people, maybe a little bit different than dealing and communicating with the layman. We have some wonderful brewers that are incredibly talented, very, very uh, technically focused, but might not have the easiest time digesting that information into something that makes sense for the, for the sales team or makes sense to the consumer. So that's my job, to take all the technical stuff and then make it make sense and kind of tell the story for uh, for the brewery, which is nice. I get to hang out and talk about beer for a living. Great. Speaking of, speaking of telling stories, we do it each and every week here on Beer It Is on the CSPN Network. My name is Tobias Woodborn. I'm here with Nick Callahan with the silent G, like, mm-hmm. like the old school G's do it back in Irishtown. <laughs> and we're just here rocking and rolling. Now, you're from Atlanta. Let's, we talked about the story of your place. Talk about the story of you. You're from Atlanta originally, right? Uh, from New York originally. From New York originally, excuse kind of me. Long and winding road, but I ended up in Georgia in 2010. Okay. And when I moved to Georgia, there were, I think, 10 craft breweries in the whole state. Oh, back wow. In 2010. So that was, let's see, that was Red, Red Rig, Sweetwater, Terrapin, mm-hmm. was even like Wild Heaven. Not even Wild Heaven, no, 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 excuse me. I was um, Red Hair, maybe? Red Hair wasn't even open yet. So who, I'm trying to think who all were. Who were the other ones? Let's well, that see. includes brew pubs. So you oh, had, that's right. A you couple had, um, of the five seasons. The five seasons. Had, um, Shout out to him. Uh, Copper Creek up in Athens. There were a I couple of Copper Creek. Yeah. Moon River down in Savannah. So right, right, right. Yeah, that, a couple, couple spots, but, but there wasn't a lot. No. Yeah, I mean, because no. Monday night hadn't even come around yet. I think they were like 2012. Then yep. Red Hair. I think they were like out there 2012. Wow, it's just now that you said that, it's amazing how quickly the scene has changed in the state from 2010. But you said um, when you came. Ten brewers in the whole state. Yeah, it was very very much in its nascent stages. Um, and ended up getting a job, and it's kind of coincidental, we're sitting here at Wild Heaven having a beer, because Eric, who's the brewmaster and one of the owners at Wild Heaven, got me my first job in, in beer in Georgia. So mm. I worked for him at a bar out in Athens called Trapeze. Oh, yeah. That's the infamous place, man. A, and the, a the lot place of, is phenomenal. A lot of the craft beer scene that Georgia has become, I think, is a big part of that place. And one of the other places that has kind of further prolificate the craft beer scene in the state is Brickstore Pub yep. and I think you're a little bit familiar with that place a little bit I worked there for um, a couple years and if a, if the opportunity hadn't presented itself with Cigar City I never would have left the Brickstore um, those guys are phenomenal and what they've done for beer in the state I, I don't think you could put a value on so they opened up in 1997 mm. and there was a 6% ABV cap on beer so they opened up no TVs, no pitchers, no drink specials, nothing but craft beer, no Bud Miller Coors, and everything had to be below six percent, and they made it work. Yeah, and it was in Decatur, and Decatur really there wasn't nothing. There was nothing. It going wasn't on the craft beer bastion of. No, it wasn't like it is now. Where, like I said, we're here at Wild Heaven, uh, right across from us, of course, is my parents' basement, which yep. is really cool stuff. There's beer growler, and then there's two breweries just right now. There's Blue Tarp, and there's um. Three taverns. Three taverns. Yeah. Shout out to Urine and uh, Brian Purcell over yeah. there making it happen, man. I, I'll tell you a funny story about a popular beer that they sell that you wouldn't believe. 
just being from Atlanta, but we'll get there later. Um, and Blue Chop, of course. Um, yeah, so, and then, of course, there's uh, the other group pub um, that's been there for a while. Twains is over Twains, there, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it wasn't all that. Yeah. When it was Brickstore Pub, and that was it. That was about it. And and I mean that for beer, certainly, but, I mean, restaurants. There, yeah. were, there weren't a ton of restaurants in Decatur. Back in the, the late 90s, it was like... You're going, you're, where are you going? You're going to Decatur? Why the hell would you want to go there? Right. So, man, this is this this is a place near and dear to my heart. Um, I love Atlanta, and, and to see what the beer scene has become up here is really incredible. Just in the, you know, six years that I've been involved with beer in Georgia, it's, it's been great. Yeah, and so I saw you yesterday at the Strong Beer Fest at Wrecking Bar. Yep. Talk about Decatur. I know it kind of pushes the boundaries of Decatur, but we'll, we'll consider that That's kind close of... close enough. Close enough. Yeah. And that festival was, to me... If not the best festival in the state of Georgia, I can't imagine. Depot Fest was really cool. Mm-hmm. That Scott um, from Wild Heaven, I mean, excuse me, Scott from um, Burr Hickory hat put on, which was cool, yeah. but. Yeah, that guy's a lunatic. Yeah, he is. That's just crazy. <laughs> I said had him on last week. I'm sorry. I know. He's a good man, though. No, he's, he's phenomenal. He brews a great beer, but yeah, he's a weirdo. But, but that's a great thing, honestly. No, he is. Um, and it's nice that he and I can hang out and talk about old punk rock records. Nice. Just, just as much as we can sit and talk about beer. And, and you know what? And you got to have that. And. That festival was really cool because people brought their A game. Yeah. And the Cater Beer Fest, we talked about the Cater earlier, is really cool. But Strong Beer Fest, everything over 8%. And you guys brought down a beer that has become, and I hate the word whale, but this for different reasons. Sure. Um, but it's become like a beer that people hunt. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you brought the Hunapu, man. Tell us about that. So that one is a beer that was first released back in uh, 2010. Sort of an anniversary beer for us. So we throw a big party around the beer release. The only way to get it is to actually be at the brewery. Uh, it's the second Saturday of March every year. So the first year that we did it, 2010, we had uh, you know maybe 150, 200 people hanging out in our warehouse, drinking beer, and it was a good time. Next year, wider release, more people got excited about it. You know, it's close to a thousand, and it kept growing and growing. So all the way up to point 2013, where we had about 7,000 people in our parking lot in Tampa. Jeez, like, it was it was a big old party. It was a blast. So at that point, we said, all right, we got to sell tickets. We need to kind of rein in the amount of people that can come in, you know, just right. for, for safety. Mm-hmm. So we sold tickets in 2014. Uh, we sold 3,000 tickets. We had about 6,000 people show up. People had fake tickets. People were climbing, wow. people were climbing over fences. Jeez. People were literally climbing in through storm drains to come in and try and get some hunapu. It's a great beer, but man. It's, yeah, it got pretty out of control. So we ended up running out of beer that year. Of course, I'm um, sure. Yeah. Because we had so many people that weren't supposed to be there. So the, there was screaming and yelling and gnashing of teeth. And the police had to, like, honestly, the police had to be called. And it was uh, a shit show. So Joey Redner, who is our founder and our CEO, said, that was a terrible idea. We're never doing that again. No way. And then two months later, he goes, no, no, that was a great idea. Let's do that again. That was a blast. So... <laughs> We tightened up the ticketing uh, system. We tightened up the way that we distributed bottles. So uh, it went very smoothly in 2015. 2016, we moved it off-site. Yeah. So we have it coming up uh, this upcoming year. We just sold tickets on uh, Thursday. Thursday. We released tickets for the event, and it's on the 11th of March, uh, 2017. So if somebody wants a ticket, what do I need to do? Uh, get on the Internet and hit refresh a whole bunch of times. Right now, they're... Pray. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> tickets sell out in a matter of minutes. How, how many of you guys selling this year, if you can share? Uh, we're planning for a few a few more thousand people than we had years previous. We don't like to put kind of a hard number on it, but it's going to be more people. And it's going to be uh, more beer and more breweries this year. So we're wow. really, um, really excited. How many breweries are you thinking or expecting? This year we're going to do about 130 breweries. Wow. And it's all a lot of breweries that don't distribute in the state of Florida. Um, we always get our friends from Georgia to come down. So Wild Heaven will be there. Um, Burt Hickory will be there. Terrapin will be there. A lot of our buddies from, uh, from up here. And it, it's funny because... Well, obviously, I had spent some time in Georgia. Right. Our brewmaster Wayne had uh, brewed his one of some of his earlier uh, commercial brewing jobs back in the '90s were in Atlanta as well. Wait, was he like a, he was at Dogwood and some of those places, right? He wasn't at Dogwood. He was at um, a couple different brew pubs around Atlanta. Okay. He cut his teeth in Alabama, and before he was at Cigar City, he was up in uh, Winston Salem at Foothills. Oh yeah, Foothills. Man. So he's kind of he's made the rounds in uh, in the southeast for sure. And that's a grind, man. Uh, by the way, guys, listen to Beard is on the CSPN network, and we take you around the southeast and around the country on beer each and every week. I am here with Mick, my man Nick, excuse me, Neil Callahan yeah, that's all right. from Cigar City. Pardon me, we'll get it right. I've, I've been called everything but late for dinner. It's all right. <laughs> don't call me late for dinner <laughs> and don't call me late for the beer. We'll make it work. I like um, it. We're at Wild Heaven, but my man's from Cigar City. That's right. The Electro. 
I love that title, man. That's one thing I like about when I meet you guys, like your business cards. They're so cool. Like, how'd you guys just come up with those kind of concepts for people? Well, like I said, the brewery itself, the names of our beers, everything's very much tied into Florida history and Tampa history. And you can't talk about Tampa history without talking about cigar making. Right. Um, so our Maduro Brown Ale is the first beer we ever brewed. We still brew it. I love I, that beer. I love that. That's my favorite year-round beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, nothing Easy against, to get. Yeah, it's Nothing cool. against Highlight, but I'll take a Maduro over a Highlight most days. Okay, so people, okay, people who listen to this, they're, they're fans of Cigar City, and they're going to fight you over that. I'll, I'll get over it. it. <laughs> I'll, I'll get over it. I mean, I I drink Highlight more than any other beer, but I right. still think for my money, I like Maduro as, as a beer well, a little bit better. There's two things. One, brown ales have become such a forgotten style in beer because everybody's into the IPA, the hops, yeah. the, the juicy. Well, anyway, I won't go there. Yeah. Um, not today, but... Um, everybody's into the IPAs, yeah. and I think Browns are a forgotten style. So to see that Maduro Brown still do well is a testament. Right? I, I would agree. So the Maduro, the name Maduro, it's the name of a very dark wrapper on a cigar. Yeah, yeah. Brown ale, dark wrapper. But um, that beer, really all of our beers and the name of our brewery, like I said, they're all tied into Tampa history. Mm. So when we're looking at, uh, I mean, we literally go through old books. We go through books about Tampa history. We go through wow. books about cigar making. And we go, oh, man, that, that elector, isn't that a cool idea? Isn't that the concept that this person would be in charge of getting people up to date and getting them kind of tuned into what's happening in the world? Isn't and that kind of, wouldn't it be cool to have a, a position like that that just focuses on Cigar City? So, That's dope, man. Like I said, I get to hang out and talk about beer for a living. So it, it, it's just about as good as a job as you've ever had. And I get to bring my dog to work, so I, I can't complain. Nice, man. That's a win. Yeah. Um so, like, where'd you go to school? Like, what's your background, man? Actually, I went to school for music. Um, I'm from New York originally. Okay. Went to a state school up in New York for music. Well, SUNY or SUNY? Yeah, yeah. SUNY Purchase. Yeah, Purchase. Okay. Up in Westchester. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So, you're familiar? Yes, yes, okay. yes. So, you know SUNY. You, you probably spent some time up in New York, Yeah, I spent right? a little bit of time in New York. I worked yeah. in Buffalo for a bit. Okay. Um, so, I would always go down to Southern Tier, some yep. other spots, and um, did a show, actually, at Southern Tier. Very cool. Recently. Yeah. Good people, and... Buffalo has a cool scene, and that whole Western New York, and even getting back into, like, um, going all the way into the actual city of New York. And yeah. This is cool. Like, there's a really interesting beer scene. I think the wine scene is a little better, but the beer scene is pretty cool, too. It's, it's growing very, very quickly. Yeah. New York has got some, like, uh, Captain Lawrence is one of my favorite breweries of all time. Oh, yeah. Brooklyn, you know, we wouldn't be sitting here talking about beer the way that we are if it weren't for guys like Garrett Oliver. Right. Um, so what he's done, what um, Tom Potter and Steve Hindy have done for the industry, I mean, I have nothing but the utmost respect for Brooklyn Brewery. Um, and they were doing it back in the in the 90s. When right, really, when nobody really, was doing it. Yeah, there wasn't, there wasn't a beer scene. And they were being distributed pretty far even back then. I think I think Brooklyn is, I think that brewery, I think they're like in 37, 38 states. Yeah, they're in an awful lot right now. Yeah, I think like with Southern Tier in 30, I think 38, 39 states. Mm-hmm. How many states are you guys in right now? Right Where now, are, we we're, in, we're in six states. Mm-hmm. 98% of our beer stays in the state of Florida. Good, yeah. We have a tough enough time keeping up to man in our home state, which is a good spot to be in, obviously. Right. Means people are drinking it and they're loving it, yes. Which is awesome. But we send a little bit to Alabama, Georgia, Richmond, Virginia, Philly, and New York, just to trickle up to New York. Richmond, Virginia? Yep. Okay, that's, okay, that's Star Hill, and they get a lot of D.C. stuff, so that's an interesting market. Man, Richmond has got such an incredible beer scene. They yeah. have um, Strange Ways Brewing up there. They do some great beer. There's Hardywood Park. There's, yes. Um, we're also good buddies with uh, the guys from the Answer Brew Pub. Oh, and, I love the Answer, yeah. And the guys that run Mekong. Um, okay. Have you ever been to Mekong yes. there? Yes, yes. That was one of the most surprising places I've ever been the first time I was there. Because of the, the where it's located and getting there. And- yeah. Well, when I went up there for the first, this was like 2011, the first time I was up there, maybe 2012, mm-hmm. and my buddy Oliver, who works for Terrapin, yeah. said, oh, you're going to Richmond, you got to go by the, or you got to go by Mekong, it's this really cool Vietnamese restaurant that has a good beer list. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, I'm going to walk in and see like a couple IPAs. Like, maybe, yeah, yeah. That, that's cool for a, a Vietnamese restaurant. No. I walk in, he's got three BFM beers on draft, yes. he's got Brewery Tart of Darkness, he's got um, all this shit that you don't see anywhere. Right, and the cool thing is... If you talk to the right person, they'll pair your beer with your meal. And so, yeah, you get like some dim sum paired with a really cool brew that goes perfectly with it. And, yeah. and they even like make some of their recipes to go specifically with certain beers. Exactly, so, yeah. Man, that is, it, it'll blow your mind. And it's pretty reasonably priced for the area. And, and the food's killer as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there's a guy named An who's the owner. He runs the beer program. He's a total lunatic. He's totally out of his yeah, mind. Gotta love those people. But um, man, what he what he does with that place is really incredible. It's one of my favorite places to drink in the world. Nice, nice. And by the way, guys, listen to Beer It Is on the C-Spin Network. My name is Tobias Wilborn. Here with my man, Nick, um, Neil Callahan. I want to call him Nick because I guess we're here in Wild Heaven. And I keep to my Nick Purdy because he is Purdy. But isn't he though? <laughs> he is. I think Eric's a little purdier though. 
It, I can say that. <laughs> Fair enough. It depends. It depends on who you ask when you ask him, right? He's, he's got that soft round face. He's very. He handsome. does, man. But and he doesn't have the neck beard thing going, so just kind of chill, mm-hmm. kind of relax. But you have a good beard, so you know, oh, well, they make you. it work. But um, <laughs> from there, man, Florida. Yeah. I know Tampa kind of owns that state as far as beer, but what are some things you've kind of seen in Florida recently, man? I'm, I'm lucky enough I get to travel an awful lot within Florida, again, because almost all of our beer stays in Florida. Right, right. Um, every kind of major city has its own really unique but really, really fucking cool beer scene. Right. Um, in Orlando, you've got a place like Red Light, Red Light. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, I'll mention them in the same breath as the Brick Store. They do some amazing world, beer, yeah. some world-class beer. Mm-hmm. Um, Jacksonville's got a really great beer scene as well. They've got um, Intuition up there. They've got Ardwolf. They've got some really... Uh, yeah, Engine ambitious. 15, yeah. Um, who's really good. Bold City. Bold City, there. yeah. I mean, they have some really cool, different breweries that do some really fun things. And and then Miami, every time I go down to Miami, there's like five new breweries. Jeez. You know, Jay Wakefield's doing his thing down there. I love Jay Wakefield. He yeah. makes some wonderful beer. Um, Winwood does some amazing beer down there. MIA, those guys are those guys are killing right. it. So, um, and then, of course, Funky Buddha. Yep, yep. So, is there is there is there a rivalry in Florida? Is it friendly? Is, is it a little... I, I mean, it sounds like lip service. It sounds like I'm totally, you know, blowing smoke up your ass, but yeah. the rising tide carries all ships. Everybody in Florida is looking out for everybody else. Nice. I like that. I mean, in Tampa, if we're out of, like, Galaxy Hops, we can call up Coppertail and go, hey, man, could we borrow, like, 10 pounds of Galaxy? Oh, yeah, no problem. Or, awesome. or a smaller brewery will call us up and say, hey, we just bought this bottling line. We're having this issue. And we'll go, oh, man, yeah, we went through that five years ago. We Absolutely. Wow. Whatever we can do to help you out. Um I, I get that question a lot. Is who, who do you see as competition? I go, every other craft brewery in Florida is our friend, and we want to do everything that we can in our power to help them to, to succeed. If, yeah. you're, if you're making good beer, especially in Florida, we want to do everything we can to help you out. And that is pretty cool because um, I, I do a lot of work in Tallahassee, and um, Byron at Proof, shout out to Proof, yeah. Byron Burroughs. I'm, I'm coming to see you soon, brother. I, I really like what you guys do. They do like the Florida Invitational, and you'd be like, a hundred breweries in, uh, from the state of Florida in the state capital of Tallahassee just bringing really cool beer. There's about 120 breweries in the state. In the area, uh, I believe we're right around 45 in the Tampa Bay area. So there's, there's, there's still room to grow for like the Gainesvilles and the Tallahassees Absolutely. and the uh, uh, Orlandos of the world. Absolutely. Um, and it's it's cool that every kind of, like I said, city that's in Tan- or city that's in Florida, rather, everybody's looking out for each other. Um I mean, we wouldn't be where, where we are as a brewery if it weren't for some of the early guys in Tampa Bay, like Tampa Bay Brewing Company, mm-hmm. like Dunedin Brewing. Um, oh, yeah, Dunedin, yeah. If it weren't for those guys, Cigar City wouldn't exist. So for us to be able to repay that a little bit for some of the newer breweries in the area, I mean, we, we want to do everything we can to help them succeed and right. make it beer. So I, before I moved back south, I lived in Cleveland, Ohio for about three and a half years. You guys did a collab with them, with... Um, the Great Lakes. The Great Lakes. Yeah, that's right. The Wandering Pelican. Yep. That beer was awesome, man. Tell me about that beer, man. That's that's a killer beer. So it was, it was a, a black ale, and the Wandering Pelican was actually a pelican that's native to Florida. Somehow ended up in Cleveland, like mm-hmm. actual pelican. So that was kind of the inspiration for it. Um, I actually cracked a can of that open about two weeks ago. Oh, my God. Wait, 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 so there's still some around? Because if there is, like, I will... We'll talk about it afterwards because so, I have to find a way to get something. That, that's part of my job too. Is I keep a couple bottles of really everything that we do for posterity's sake. So, you know, if you ever find yourself down there and if you see me walking around the brewery, I could probably snag you a bottle of something cool. We'll sit down and open it up together. Wow. Yeah. Um, that we we see the way things I... age. We see you know. Um, if it's a recipe that's going to hold up over time, if it's something that we should go back and revisit. So um, I, I did open up a can recently, and it's, it's still drinking pretty good. And that's a lager. Yeah. It's a black lager. By the way, guys, it's, so it's a, I think it was a, in, when canned or bottled, because there wasn't a lot of it put out the market. No, it was just 12-ounce cans. Right. So when it was canned, it was canned at 9%. Of course, that kind of fluctuates for the nerds. Yes, I, it fluctuates. But it was canned at 9% and labeled at 9 And that was, what, 2014? That's right, very beginning of 2014. Right. Because um, I had it at a festival in Ohio, and I was like, yo, I'm over. I, I got to get some in. So yep. the guys at Great Lakes were able to get me a couple. I ran through them. I didn't, know, <laughs> I didn't even know. Because they said, oh, we may do it again, and it hadn't happened yet. But... Um, I just I mentioned that to kind of segue into how do you guys kind of handle collaborations? How does that kind of work? So Wayne, our brewmaster, he's on the road. I mean, probably six months out of the year. Um, right, this just this last week he was up in Michigan. He was doing a collaboration with Perrin, Ooh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. just outside of Grand Rapids, mm-hmm. and uh, Oscar Blue. So it's a three-way collaboration. Nice. Um, man, 
it's this is very much a personality business. You know, you and I just met each other at a beer festival. Now right. we're here hanging out. We're doing a podcast. It's, it's all about meeting people, and it's all about you know making those connections in person. Mm. So a lot of times it'll be somebody that we met at a fest, like we were pouring a beer next to whomever. Um, we hit it off, and all of a sudden, you know, hey, let's do a collab. Let's work on something. Right. Um, so sometimes they'll come about that way. Sometimes it's a brewery that we really, really admire. Mm. Um, we did a collab with Demolin guys out in the Netherlands they're just a brewery that we I mean we worship we worship those guys those man guys and they're old school man so sometimes it's that sometimes it's just you know we cross paths at the right place right time like we've got a collaboration coming up with a brewery in Italy called Crack C-R-A-K okay and I met those guys I was in uh, St. Petersburg, Russia I was man like I said I get to travel around and drink beer for a living so I was in Russia drinking beer um, and I ran into these wacky Italian guys. So we hung out and drunk, drunk vodka and Russia together. Like, oh, we should do a collab together. And so, oh, yes, very much. So, you know, right now we're working on a collab with those guys. Um, sometimes it's just... That's awesome, man. And, and that may be something that only goes in the tasting room, depending on what exactly. it is. Yeah. Exactly. So sometimes it's a wider release, like, uh, like that Wandering Pelican. Sometimes yeah. it'll just be stuff that we just serve in the tasting room. But um, we learned so much from those collabs. You know, we find out how to use different ingredients. We find out how to use different pieces of equipment every time we go visit a different brewery. And actually, where we're sitting right now, we're surrounded by a bunch of these barrels. Mm-hmm. I don't know which ones of these are carrying our uh, Cigar City Wild Heaven collab, but a couple of them are. We, Myself and Wayne were up here a couple months ago. Yeah, I heard about that. It's going to be a weird beer, man. I'm really so, excited. Can you tell me a little bit about it? Um, so it's obviously still in the works. It is in barrels right now. Mm. It's got a few different uh, strains of bread. It's also got scuppernong. It's got Bernog, it's my got muscadine. God. So we were trying to find ingredients. Obviously, you know, we're all, we all have a connection. Georgia, Florida, yeah. All have a exactly, connection yeah. to the southeast. Right, so we right, were right. trying to find native ingredients that we could put in that beer. So we ended up with muscadine and scuppernong. We've got a couple strains of bread. We're aging it in a couple different barrels. It's um, it, it's a, a really wacky collab. So <laughs> I like Wayne, it. I mean, Wayne is an incredibly talented guy. Eric right. is an incredibly talented guy, mm-hmm. and. The way Wayne speaks about Eric from Wild Heaven, he goes, man, he's the Tommy Arthur of the East Coast. Wow, that's big. That's big. And yeah. I really like Eric a lot, man. I mean, yeah. I'm not just saying it because I'm in his spot and drinking <laughs> his beer, but just because he's just a really good dude, man, who actually, you know, cares and wants to do the right way. And I, I wouldn't be sitting here right now if it weren't for Eric Johnson, so I, I couldn't wow. speak highly enough about him. That's real, man. I mean, you just don't get that very often. Yeah. And But I think that's what makes this industry great is that people helping people and making it work. Absolutely. You know, I think, for the most part, that rising tide carries all ships uh, mentality. I think 99% of the breweries out there have that. You know, we're st- We still represent less than 20% of overall beer, beer right. sales. Craft, is, as a segment, still is less than 20%. So we have so much room to grow as an industry, and whatever we can, we're, we're stronger in numbers. Right. So, I mean, it's... Um, it's a good time, and it's a, an interesting time to be in beer because it's growing so quick. And speaking of stronger numbers, we're here on the Pet Beer It Is. My name is Tobias Fullborn. We're here at the CBIT CSPN Network. Shout out to Melanie. Shout out to Classic for allowing me to do this each and every week. Again, I am with my man Nick Callahan. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come right back because he mentioned numbers, and there's a lot of interesting legislation going on in Florida as well as in Georgia that we're going to kind of get into a little bit. We'll be right back. Boys and girls, my name is Tobias Wilborn, and we're here on Beer It Is on the C-SPAN Network, and I am back with man Nick Callahan as he strokes his dog and makes sure everything's cool there. You make it sound dirty. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's fun though, right? I yeah. mean, as long as it's clean. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so 
We mentioned coming out of the, coming out of the first break that we were talking about some of the legislative stuff, and Florida has it better than Georgia because yes, there's a three-tier system, but you guys are allowed direct sales, and there's no cap on the direct sales. But what are some things that Florida? may need to work on and want to improve as it goes along. You know, everywhere has got its own weird little idiosyncratic beer laws. Um, Up until last summer, the summer of 2015, I couldn't sell you a 64-ounce growler. I could sell you as many 32-ounce growlers as you want. I could sell you a 128-ounce growler, but I couldn't sell you a 64-ounce growler. So there's a lot of these kind of weird antiquated laws. Thankfully, that one's off the books. Um, You know, compared to Georgia, we're, like you said, we're we're in a much better spot where you can walk into the tasting room in Cigar City, sit down, order a pint of highlight. You can have a couple highlights. You can leave with a case of Maduro, you know, whatever... Whatever you need, we can help you out with. Um, yeah, so, I mean, and that's important that you can actually do that. Like, you can go to a brewery. And what I like is, first, like I mentioned Tallahassee a lot, because, like, Proof does some really cool, yeah. like, experimental stuff. And shout out to Byron, because he's really active in the Florida those, Guild. Those guys and, kill it. Those yeah. guys kill it. And it's cool, because you can go there and have their mango wit, and then take some home. Yep. As much as you want. On a Tuesday afternoon at noon, whereas in Georgia the breweries are kind of limited to where they can be open. They have to sell you a glass and yeah. go through the whole thing. It's it's tricky for breweries in Georgia, and for it's interesting kind of how breweries start out. Or it's completely different in the state of Georgia. Right. We started off with a 15 barrel brew house, relatively small, yeah. but we knew that we could make that beer, put it on tap in the tasting room, and get that direct stream of revenue. Yeah. State of Georgia, you have literally one customer, and that's your wholesaler. Yeah, that's it. Um, so. You need to get your wholesalers' attention. You need to send them beer. If you're, I mean, literally, Burn Hickory is the only brewery I've ever heard of starting off with a small one-barrel system right. in, in the state of Georgia. Three taverns, 30-barrel. Um, I believe they're on a 20-barrel system over here. Yeah, at, they're, at they're pretty big boy. I mean, because you look at the 90-barrel permitters, they got a, quite a few of the guys, they got a 120-barrel permitter up there. So they, it's a big system. There are a lot of permitters and a lot of rights because... That's what you have to do exactly in if, order to make it. If you're brewing one barrel at a time, like Burn Hickory was, obviously you're making two kegs of beer. Right. Your wholesaler's not going to pay attention to you if, you if you're only sending them two kegs of beer. No, they're so, going to notice you. They're going to know your name. Yeah. So every brewery that's in the state of Georgia really is starting off with a 30 barrel or 50 barrel brew house, and that's a lot of money. That's a lot. On, of, that's, on the front end, that's yeah. millions and millions of dollars that you're in the hole before you even sell a drop of beer. Right. Um, so for us to be able to start off on a small system sell directly to the consumer, have that revenue source, and kind of build up organically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, breweries in Georgia don't have that, that that luxury. Well, one of the things I liked about Florida was I remember Grasslands, um, really cool brewery in Tallahassee, um, they, for their first couple months, they sold other people's beer. Because, yep. again, you're allowed to do that. So they yep. were able to open up, like, and basically I'm almost operate as a bar. Exactly. And you know, have guest taps from all over the state, and they were able to make money just doing that. There's, there's a couple breweries in even in the Tampa area that aren't yet making their own beer. They're trying to get that, that revenue up to start brewing their own beer. Right. But they're doing exactly what you were saying. They're yeah. serving you know Cigar City or Copper Tail or um, Intuition beer. Yeah. Um, we do the same thing at Cigar City. So you can walk in. We always try to keep one or two guest beers on. It's either a brewery that we've done a collab with. Nice. So you know we'll be able to get a keg of Great Lakes stuff and serve it. Or we'll get nice. a keg of the brewery and, and serve that. I love the brewery, man. Um, so, them, yeah. so we do that, or we'll serve another Florida brewery. Again, you know our home state is near and dear to us, so we want to do what we can to um, elevate the uh, the exposure for some of the smaller breweries. How in the many state. taps are in your tasting room right now? Right now, we've got 13 on the front bar. On the back bar, we've got 24 plus two beer engines. Wow. So we got a, a, a lot of draft lines. And so you have, you have like, service tanks? No, we don't. We, we, we keg all the beer. Okay. Oh, you keg it all and then... Oh, That's because right. I've got the three-tier, yeah. Well, we, if we wanted to, we could get uh, service tanks, but the nice thing about just using a keg of beer, so I'm going to go through a keg of highlighter in, you know, essentially in a, in a day. Then the next day for that new keg, I can get the, the freshest keg. Fair Whereas enough. if yeah. we fill up a larger serving tank, you know, we're going to be stuck with a batch from, say, two weeks ago or three weeks ago by the time we get to the bottom. Yeah, and you want that highlight, that IPA, to be as fresh as possible. You know, that's part of the appeal. You go to the brewery, you're going to get the freshest IPA that you're, you're ever going to get. Right. And that's got to be, a, I mean, that's just got to be a win just to come there. So basically, if I come to the tasting room down there, I can choose from about 35 or so different beers? Yeah, there's a, a lot of Cigar City beer to go around. Typically, we'll have uh, 26 to 30 different beers on draft. And then, yeah, a couple guest beers, um, you know, a couple duplicates between the two bars, but, man, it's... Uh, and you're getting a stuff you, that you never had anywhere else in the world. Right, because it's only... It's, how much tasting room stuff do you guys make? 
a lot. So every single year, this year, we're going to end up doing over 100 new brands. Wow. A lot of that just stays in the tasting room. Every single year, we average about 100 new beers. Nice. I mean, we have a double IPA on right now. It's called Bigly. That's, you know, we're not going to send it anywhere. <laughs> Bigly. Yes. You know, we got a couple political jokes in there. Fair enough. Yeah. You got, you know what? You got to let people crying. Or maybe drinking up, right? Jeez, oh, I know the feeling. <laughs> it's going to be a long four years, brother. Alcohol helps, sir. It does. It does. <laughs> But yeah, so from there, just getting into that whole tasting room thing. So you were a tasting room manager. That's right. Yeah, for about a year and a half, I was uh, taking care of the tasting room. We, um, you know, even for a brewery that's we're, we're on the larger side in our state, certainly. Right. right. Um, we're right around sixty thousand barrels this last year, Woo! which is uh, that goes. That's what goes out in this. Wow. That's that's overall production. Overall production. That's, yeah. that's a lot of beer. That's a lot um, of beer. Even at a larger brewery size like like we're at right now, the tasting room is still absolutely critical to how we run our business. Yeah. I mean, being able to do cool small releases in the tasting room, like um, like the bottle that we got over here, that's the Vanilla Hazelnut Marshall Zukovs. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to get into that. Man, it's pretty good. I know. It's pretty good. I'm excited about it. So, you know, we'll release that stuff in the tasting room, and to have that source of revenue coming in through directly to the brewery, that's absolutely critical to how we run our business. So for a brewery in Georgia to not have that revenue source, is, it's disappointing. It, well, and only that, it, it, what they don't understand is that means they can hire more people. Whereas like most of the tasting rooms here are open maybe three, four days a week. Yeah. They can now be open seven days a week. And that means more people getting hired. More people getting hired means more people paying taxes, yep. so on and so forth. And I don't think they realize that they're missing out on a whole lot of, the state's missing out on a whole lot of money. Exactly. Um, and at the end of the day, when we when we get more revenue in through the tasting room, that means, like you said, more beer, more jobs. That means more beer that we're able to send to our wholesalers. So our wholesalers in, in Florida and even in Georgia, they're like, man, your tasting room, keep it up. Especially in our home market, JJ Taylor. That's interesting. JJ Taylor's our wholesaler in Tampa. And nice. They go, man, whatever you do in the tasting room, keep it coming. Because people are asking them for different things exactly. that maybe they can't get. So that means need you guys to make more of it. By the way, like this beer you brought, I had it a couple weeks ago. Let's walk through it. Tell sure. me about this one, man. So Marshall Zukovs, that's our imperial stout. It's actually the base for Hunapu. So if you have Hunapu, you take out the spices, you've got Marshall Zukovs. Nice. Exact same recipe. Um, Wayne has been working on this recipe for probably 10, 12 years. Well, a long time. So he's really kind of fine-tuned it in. This is a brand-new variant that we did with the mm. vanilla and the hazelnuts. Nice. Um, man, it mellows out a little bit of the roastiness. You still get a touch of smoke. You still get a little bit of this kind of nice herbal uh, hop quality, but it's all about dark chocolate, espresso flavors, and then that vanilla gives it almost like a marshmallow kind of flavor. Now, and he's only coming to Bombers. How, how much of this do you guys make a year? Not a ton. Not a ton. Yeah. We would, If we could make more, we would make more, but the reality is that beer is going to sit in a tank for a longer time than highlight is. Right, right, right. Yeah, highlight is going to move pretty quickly. Exactly. So like your, your log or some of your smaller stuff. Like, exactly. It's going to move pretty quickly. Highlight keeps the lights on. That's, you know, it's fun to do, but highlight is what really keeps the lights on for us. Well, you know what? It's it's interesting because whenever I do this show, it's a little different for you guys because you're a bigger brewery, but generally I always ask the question, well, what's your 420? Because I compare everything to Sweetwater. Yeah. You know, them being brewed on a 400-barrel system. And just being crazy big and on flights everywhere. Yep. So for you guys, what's your 420? Highlight. Highlight. That's, that's, that's the one. That's 60% of our production. And that's like a 7% beer. So for that to be like your... It's 7.5. It kind of straddles the line between regular IPA and double IPA. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, is it, that's not a... I mean, it's a great beer and it's accessible yeah. to someone who may be trying to try craft for the first time. But it's still a really good beer. And it's... Made. It's a wonderful IPA to get people into IPAs because the bitterness is in there, certainly. It's, it is it's there. 70 IBUs, but right. at the same time, it's all about hop flavor. Mm-hmm. That's what's front and center. You get this tangerine quality, this uh, candied orange peel quality. It's all about the flavor of the hops rather than the bitterness. Yeah, I, I tell people, like, and I try to be careful because I, I don't like talking bad about any breweries yeah. or, or sound like I'm talking bad, but, like, it's, like, to me, it's still a better for, form of, like, a tropicality because, like, it, it has those same kind of floral hops that gives you that nose that taste of the yeah. citrus, but it's just a little bit more refined, and plus the recipe's been around a little bit longer. I mean, Creature Comforts is killing it. No, they're awesome. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm not talking bad about... So I try to be really careful. I try to couch it. I'm not talking bad about Trop, yeah, yeah. but because it's become like the beer du jour now, I tell you, well, if you can't get it, you know, there's some other... Highlight will... It's a pretty decent substitute for Tropicalia yeah. if you can't get a Trop, for sure. Um, but, you know, that's our that's our bread and butter is Highlight. 7.5%, 70 IBUs. It's... um. It's a solid IPA, for sure. And that's got to be interesting. Like, how do you balance the keep-the-lights-on beer versus the cool stuff, like the Marshall's Dukovs? 
the Huda Foods of the world. It's tough, you know. The the money guys in the back want to make sure that we're um, doing what we can to try and you know grow our business, but at the same time, we like doing the cool, weird stuff, man. Right. You know, we just released uh, Marshall Zukov's penultimate push, which is a very, very small batch. Mm. It was Marshall Zukov's with coffee, chocolate, and vanilla. Oh my God, that sounds amazing. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. That sounds amazing. So you know, whenever we get a break in the schedule, our production guys are like, "Yeah, let's let's squeeze something cool in there." Nice. Um, so be- like, so what are you guys brewing on? We have two brew houses. We have a 15 barrel brew house. We have a 30 barrel brew house. Wait, that's not that big. I mean, not really. For how for much? Because you guys, I know you guys are in six states, but you guys are in pretty, pretty big states. Like in Florida, you're everywhere in Florida. Yeah. yeah. I mean, highlight, I mean, you can get it a lot of places. So, I mean, like, how are you guys making that much beer? Like, well, okay, what, what are your ferments? Um, your, yeah, your, your um, yeah, we, fermenting tanks. Yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. Um, on the 30 barrel side, we've got 18, 120 barrel fermenters. That's what it is, okay. Exactly. Gotcha. Um, so, oh, wait, wait, explain that to the audience so they can kind of understand what that means. Like, when it comes from brewing on a 30-barrel system but being able to store a certain amount of beer. Well, at the end of the day, you know, we're Cigar City Brewing. Right underneath the logo, really, anywhere, you're going to see uh, the words Echo Amano, which is somewhere on the label over here. Echo Amano mm-hmm. obviously means made by hand. Made by you, hand. You yep. go into our brewery, you're not going to see a computer. Other than what the sales guys and the marketing guys are, you know, working on on Facebook, um, there's no computers in our brew house. Interesting. I've had people come in and try to sell us uh, automation equipment or automation software and I go yeah just you know pull it up on the computer because there is no fucking computer <laughs> like we're, doing, we're doing everything by hand mm-hmm. um, and honestly that's a great source of pride for us nice. is that everything that we're doing a human being has literally put his hands on those raw materials and is literally you know putting yeah, that's spit grain that's the whole that's the whole process exactly from so, the bright to the hot liquor, everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the reality of that obviously means, you know, there's, there's human error sometimes. So maybe this batch of highlight is going to end up with a higher original gravity than where it should. And maybe the next batch will be a little bit lower. So we do a lot of blending. A 30-barrel brew house and a 120-barrel fermenter obviously means we're blending four batches of wort into one fermenter. Mm-hmm. From the 120-barrel fermenters, it'll probably, if it's highlight, it's probably going to end up in a 240-barrel bright tank. Nice. So you're looking at eight different batches of wort that have been blended together into um, one one kind of canning run. Mm. So what that allows us to do is to make a nice, consistent product, whereas if we're overshoot on the original gravity on this batch, we can kind of undershoot for the next batch. Or right. If this one ends up a little more bitter than the other one, we'll blend it with one that ends up a little sweeter. Mm. Um, so... For us to brew on a 30-barrel but then have large fermenters, that ability to blend absolutely is critical. So that's why you end up with nice, consistent, bright, delicious highlight every single time. Even though we're doing everything by hand, we're blending so that everything ends up consistent. Right. So, man, what's the water treatment game like, man? Tampa water sucks. It's very hard, very high in mineral content. Um, we're doing carbon filtration to remove a lot of those minerals. Then we're adding some salts to kind of balance it so, out. So you don't do R- reverse osmosis? No, no, there's no, there's no RO water. Okay. Um, rather than kind of start with a blank slate, we're just kind of mellowing out some of what's already in the water. And do you kind of like do it for each different style of beer? Like if it's a stout, you may kind of do it one way? Or? Yeah, it gets tweaked a little bit. So, you know, okay. maybe we'll add some more calcium sulfate for this style, whereas we wouldn't add as much for this next style. Okay. Um, so, you know, it all depends on the beer, certainly. But um, beer is 85, 90% water. Yeah. So if that water doesn't look right chemically, if that if those minerals aren't kind of where they need, consistent. Exactly, exactly. So water chemistry is really, I think it's an underappreciated part of brewing. Um Man, you talk to Eric from Wild Heaven about water chemistry. That guy, oh, yeah. <laughs> that guy knows his shit. No, and that's why I really like Wild Heaven a lot. I, I brag on them so much. Whenever I go out of town, I always take some of their stuff when I go visit other breweries because I, I think they just get it right. The water treatment is so important. Absolutely. Because you go someplace and it's like, oh well, we carbon filter maybe. Yeah. It's like, okay, so we only pay you twenty bucks for a bomber of beer. But I, mean, I can go buy a case of really good beer. Yeah. So why should I buy your if you can't even treat your water properly? I, I I would agree, man. As long as you're making good good product, that's that's what we're concerned about. Right. I, I think there's some brewers that kind of look at certain processes, like whether it's kettle souring yeah. or whether it's you know using certain types of ingredients where they go, well, you know, whatever, man. You know, that's not like that's not true. That's not the way that you should be doing it. And if if your liquid's good, if your beer's good, I don't care how you made it. Just make it work. Exactly. Just make it work. But um, there's a lot more that goes into making a good bet or even a drinkable batch of beer. Exactly. Than people really appreciate. So this is a guy actually from Brooklyn Brewery that I was drinking with years ago in Brooklyn. Um, I was just getting into beer, and we were drinking beer. I go, oh, man, this beer sucks. He goes, no, 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 It doesn't suck. It's not your flavor. It's not your, it's, mm. it's not to your, it's not to your uh, appreciation. Right. Okay. A commercial brewer, anybody that's worth a shit, 
doesn't release objectively bad beer. Right. So even if it's you know even if it's not your thing, it's still if a commercial brewer is doing it and they know their shit. Even if you don't like the beer, it's still good beer. It's still good beer to someone or to enough people. It's just not your feng shui. Exactly. So I, you will never hear me say, "Nah, man, that beer sucks." So man, what is your feng shui like? What's your style of beer? That's your favorites or types? Time and a place for everything, certainly, but. Um, I, I like the more malt forward stuff, so we're just drinking the Nitro to Mercy yeah, earlier. Beer, yeah. um, I think they had that special winner on right now. That's their uh, coffee brown ale. Mm-hmm. Um, that's in, on bourbon oat chips. That beer is delicious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think generally I'm a malt forward kind of guy, but time and place. Time and place. Exactly. So like you're a seasonal. Like if it's hot, you may go for a heify or oh, yeah, something like that. Particularly, imagine that, now that you're living in Florida. So you're going to a lot more wits and heavies when, and when I go down, rattlers. And when I bring the dog down to the beach, we go down and I bring Florida Cracker with me. Belgian oh, yeah. wheat beer, coriander, orange peel, 5.5%, yes. just light. You know, throw back a couple on the beach. It's not so bad. Yeah, yeah, that's what, and, it's, and I like the can on that one, too. Yeah. So are you guys... Are you guys kind of split between cans and bottles? Um, no, it's much more heavily toward cans. If it's so it's canning for the for the for the twelve ounce stuff and bottles for the bombers. That's right. Yeah, we don't do twelve ounce bottles. We just do twenty two and seven fifty. Okay. Um, you know, cans it just makes more sense for us. Lighter to ship, more recyclable. It cool the beer down much more quickly. Mm-hmm. Better at keeping UV light out and oxygen out. Right. Um, so it just made sense. And then again, like you said, being in Florida, I can throw a couple cans in the bag, go down to the beach, or you know, take them out on the boat. It's not so bad. And so just. That facility, just the, the brand that comes with it, man. How do people like react to you just being with Cigar City? I, I'm I'm very fortunate. I get to travel around, and anytime I tell people, oh yeah, you know, I work for this brewery in Florida, Cigar City is. They're always like, oh, Cigar City? Like, yeah, yeah. And it's it, it's incredible for people to appreciate what we're doing, and for people to get excited not only about our beer but about other breweries in Florida and just about culture in Florida. That's what we're all about. You know, that's. Uh, that's front and center for us, is making sure that we're paying tribute to Tampa culture and to Florida brewing history. That's that's really near and dear to us. And so, like, how do you work with the Florida, Florida spots, man? Like, kind of get them on board, I guess. We're not on board, just, I guess, just work with each other and make things cool like that. I think... Sorry, the dog's wandering off. There she is. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, you know, it's... The reality is that... So many breweries in Florida have former Cigar City employees working for them. Oh, that helps, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, especially in the Tampa Bay area. Mm-hmm. Copper Tail, Angry Chair, Tampa Bay Brew Co., all those guys oh, have... Oh, Angry Chair, yeah. Mm-hmm. Angry Chair is doing some killer Yeah, they killer really beer. are, yeah. Um, so all those guys have former Cigar City employees working for them. And they know that if they have a question in their brewery, they can call us up. And they know that we're going to do everything we can to help them out. Um, and it's it's actually really funny. So Copper Tail, I brought them up a couple times. Yeah. Um, newer brewery, they're right around two years old right now. We did it right when they opened up. We said, hey, let's do a collaboration together. That would be awesome. They have a wholesaler who's different from our wholesaler. Right. And their wholesaler went, wait, you're going to let another brewery into your brewery? Like, they're going to sabotage your shit, man. No, that's not how it works. Exactly. <laughs> it was so, like, foreign to that wholesaler that... Um, you would allow another brewery into your brewery and you guys would exchange ideas and right. you guys would come up with something together. Cool. So we actually, the beer ended up being called Sabotage because <laughs> they thought... What, what, what was the beer? It was an Imperial Stout, man. It's oh, phenomenal. Nice. You know, it's, it's funny because I always tell people, like, craft beer is kind of, it's not like Walmart trying to be Kmart. Or it's not like Macy's trying to be yep. or whatever. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's a symbiotic industry. Exactly. You know, it's... Like I said earlier, there's so much room for everybody to grow, right. and there's so many people that are still not drinking craft beer that even if your interaction with craft beer for the first time isn't a Cigar City beer, we want it to be a positive one. Right. So we want to make sure that you know any brewery, especially in Florida, but even you know whether it's Wild Heaven, whether it's Terrapin, whether it's Sweetwater, we want that first interaction with craft to be a good one so that eventually, at some point, you wander in and, and you find some Cigar City beer. And I got to ask you this, man. Like, So what's your take on the InBevs and all people in the world like coming in and infiltrating the industry, man? If you're making good beer, that's what's important to me. You know, um, I, I totally understand when people go, well, I don't want to support InBev or I don't want to support Miller Coors. Hey, I totally get that. At the same time... I think the breweries that are aligned with Anheuser-Busch, you know, someone like a Goose Island. Right. Man, Goose Island still makes good beer. They do. If you're making good beer, then I'm going to drink it. That's kind of my approach, but I've heard a lot of other ar- arguments uh, on the contrary. Whatever gets you through the day, man. Yeah, I mean, and, and by the way, so you guys are, you guys are in a consortium of a couple of different breweries, right? 
Yeah, so we're, we're partnered with Oscar Blues. Yeah. Um, those guys have done such incredible things for the industry. You know, first craft beer. Colorado, North Carolina, the whole, yeah. Exactly. Um, we have so much to learn from those guys. That's they dope, also, man. And they have three breweries around the country. They have one in Colorado, one in North Carolina, like you said, and one in uh, Austin, Texas. Austin, yeah, yeah, yeah. They have three they're, they're in every state, I think, right? They're or in they all 50 states. They're in all 50 right. states, yeah. They have room for to grow in those breweries. Uh-huh. We have one brewery, and we have no room for growth. Wow. So being able to partner with those guys, it's going to be more beer in the hands of more people. Now, that's going to be pretty cool to work with guys. I mean, because, I mean, those guys are, like, innovators, man. Absolutely. I mean, to be able, so what's it like when you, like, meet some of those, like, old heads, you know what I'm saying, just rocking with them, you know? Man, those guys, have they've seen it all. Like, you talk to Dale. Yeah. Dale is an incredibly... The Dale's Dale. <laughs> incredibly approachable There's guy. actually a man named Dale. It's yep. behind the Dale's Dale. Dale Keshis is actually an Alabama boy. Wow. Um, he started Oscar Blues. He's still an approachable guy. He still sends emails out to employees like, hey, man, just, you know, letting everybody know what's going on with this. Wow. Um, so to be able to talk to someone like Dale or somebody like um, Jeremy Rudolph, who's been their packaging guy and, and part of their production team for so long, there's so much information that, that, that can be shared. What I think is incredible about the partnership, and we're it, I try and emphasize the fact that it's a partnership, yeah. because they said, all right, you know, um, we're partners now. This is how we treat our beer. This is how we filter our beer. Mm. We said, well, actually, you know, we kind of do it a different way. And they said, yeah, you know, that actually makes sense. So they've invested in equipment that we wow. use to try and, you know. Because um, it's, it's all about learning. Because it's like, well, maybe we weren't doing this the most efficient absolutely. way. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's incredible that it really, it sounds like lip service, but it's a two-way street. Well, we learn from them. They've learned some stuff from us. I mean, we're, it's all about exchange of information. Do you think that will be what will be the future, kind of how you maybe keep the embevs and the millicores out of some of the other brews coming up? Strength in numbers, for sure. Yeah. Um, and it's, I was telling this to somebody last night, it's not clean cut. It's not like back in, what, 2011 or 2012 when Goose Island went to AB. Right. It was, you know, here's the line, Goose Island's on this side of the line, and all the other crafts is on the other side right. of the line. That middle area is really rapidly expanding, whether it's um, venture capital, whether it's an investment firm, whether it's, uh, you know, you're 20% owned by Miller Coors, whether it's, mm-hmm. I think people are caring a lot less kind of what the ownership structure looks like. I just want good beer. They're caring a lot more exactly. Yeah, I just want good beer made well and that I like and hopefully is reasonably priced. Yeah, absolutely. At the end of the day, somebody... I look at like um, a Breckenridge. Yeah. Breckenridge, those guys were around for 25, almost 30 years. They put blood, sweat, and tears into that company. And if you're the owner of that company and you have an opportunity to cash out, hey, you know. You get your money, man. Well, and you're, you're taking, a lot of times it's taking chips off the table. Right. It's not necessarily going, all right, I'm done, washing my hands, you know, I'm cashing out and move on to the next thing. They're still there. They're still involved with the day to day operation. Well, just, like, they've taken even, chips off the or table. Or even with Terrapin, like people like give them crap, and I'm like, but Spike's still brewing. He's still in the brew house. He's still, you know, behind the scenes doing everything. He's there. Like, it'd be different if those guys just left. Yeah. But even when, even since those guys leave, they may go start another brew. Exactly. exactly. So, I mean, like, because, um, what's my man? Um, yeah, like, so even, like, guys like Mitch Steele, like, he's coming to Atlanta pretty soon to open yep. up a group up. He came from Stone, made his money, and now he's going to kind of venture out on his own. Yep. That guy literally wrote the book on IPAs. He wrote the IPA book. Um, so to have him in Georgia, man, that's that's huge for the scene. And I'm, I'm just curious because, like, there are some really cool, like, Torch Top mm-hmm. was a really cool spot. I had them on a couple weeks ago. And then um, there's a pizza spot that does some really cool. And, of course, there's um, Five Taverns. You know what I'm saying? All those places that have done five, four seasons, excuse me. Yeah. And that does some really cool stuff. And so it's going to be interesting to see how that, the group club scene, because they kind of actually have the advantage when it comes to flexibility mm-hmm. because they don't they don't have the package and you can go right there you can buy whatever you want you can buy by the pint so yeah that's an interesting advantages in georgia absolutely there's the brew pub scene in georgia is definitely catching up i mean wrecking bar is doing some incredible beer oh man um, neil engelman shout out man absolutely he Big spells up. he spells it the wrong way though he spells it n-e-a-l yes he does i, I don't trust any al because he's in the i-o exactly exactly well he's a good man though he's some good beer he's all right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no and, and, and he was kind of the mastermind behind that festival yesterday and he's he works his ass off he knows his beer he knows how to brew that guy is phenomenal yeah and I mean I, and I'm just amazed at some of the collabs that they've done with places and and just having that festival where 
even though they should not have let Scott from Burt Hickory in there. They should not have let Scott Hedin in there. But other than that, there were some really upstanding people. You take one look at that guy, you're like, nah, I don't no, want him in, no, I don't no, want him no. in my I bar. I don't trust that guy. <laughs> but, you know, other than him, yeah. there were a lot of, like, almost every brewery that, I, that in the state that I respect had actual brewers yep. there. And, and that's huge, I think. That reflects so well on the brewery and on the festival. Yeah. When you actually have the brewer standing right there by his beer. Hey, let me tell you about the hops in this beer. Let me tell you about, you know, why we fermented it this Because even though in Georgia they don't let you pour your own beer. But it's the fact that you can still be there. And so, like, you can yeah. go to Wild Heaven and Eric is there. You can go over to Three Taverns and Brian Purcell and Urine are there. Yeah. I, well, I mean, I, don't trust Brian Purcell, though. But. No, no, no. I saw Urine yesterday, man. It was good hanging out with that. Yeah, man, no, I do know this stuff. I had him on about a month ago, and he had the ladies going crazy, man, with the accent. <laughs> they were like, oh, my God. Because, like, I get a bunch of women listeners who, like, they're into the complicated stouts because they like the coffee. So they'll get into, like, the Zukovs here. Yeah. And they'll be like, oh, my God, because it has, like, the hazelnut and some of the flavors that they're familiar with. And so it's interesting. But, yeah, they just love the fact that he was so into the Belgian stuff. And But, I mean, you talked about Mitch Steele. Isn't it incredible that Atlanta, even though Georgia's behind the, the really behind the curve as far as laws, isn't it incredible that someone like Joran, who's from Belgium, yes. who, you know, grew up with Peter Buchart, who right. really... I mean, that Changed guy, the game in New Belgium, yeah. That guy has lived his whole life in beer. Mm-hmm. He ended up in Atlanta. Someone like Mitch Steele, right. who wrote the book on IPAs. Who is, Literally. Yeah, and he's responsible for so much of what's happening on the West Coast. So, yeah, I want to be in Atlanta. How, how cool is that? Right, and then, like, even, like, a Monday night, like, when they're expanding and they're going to be brewing, like, they're going to be doing a thing on the Beltline. It's yeah. not going to be too far from Mitch. So, the scene is growing in this city, man. It's going to be really interesting, man. Yeah. See how it goes. You get spoiled in Atlanta, whether it's beer, whether it's food, whether it's cocktails, whether it's... I mean, there's very few cities in the, I would say in the world that match the level of right. um, of service, of quality when it comes to beer, food, wine, liquor, spirits. Exactly. Uh, man, it's phenomenal. And I still got to go to Pond City Market. They got a whole new thing going on over there. Yep. And so I'm just really curious to see who's going to do what and what's going to be next. I mean, I had dinner at Kimball House two nights in a row. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy. Yeah, that's a win. That's yeah. a win. <laughs> Listen, I could keep you for more long than this, but we got to get out of here. Again, guys, my name is Tobias Bowman. We're here with Nick Callahan from Cigar City. Thank you guys for listening. Nick, thank you. My pleasure. I'm just excited to be hanging out and having a beer with you. All right, cool, man. Guys, listen in. We'll be back. <laughs>